0: Hello and welcome to the All-80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Bant, and along with me on this journey back to the 80s is my co-host, Jason Massek. Hello, Jason.
1: I don't want to be the only asshole in heaven, Bill. Hey, Bill. Here is Sub-Zero, now plain Zero. Yeah, Bill, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that, honestly. We should just end the podcast right there.
0: I think so. All right, thanks thanks for listening, viewers. Now, that's right, listeners. Today's movie is the 1987 sci-fi action film, The Running Man, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Richard Dawson, directed by Paul Michael Glazier. This movie is rated R with a running time of one hour and 41 minutes. It is based on the novel The Running Man, written by... Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King. So what is this movie about? What's on the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, this would be the description you would find on the back of the VHS box. What is on the box? Take it away, Jason. Arnold Schwarzenegger is
1: running for his life in the high-tech futuristic action-adventure The Running Man. Co-starring Maria Conchita Alonso, Yafet Koto. Weasel Zappa, Mick Fleetwood, Jim Brown, Jesse the Body Ventura, and, in a critically acclaimed performance, Family Feud host Richard Dawson. The year is 2019. Television is now ruling people's lives. In the 21st century, the popular audience participation game show is The Running Man, where convicts can win pardons instead of parting gifts by defeating murderous henchmen known as stalkers. The stalkers haven't had much of a challenge lately until Ben Richards, Schwarzenegger, came along. Wrongly convicted of slaughtering 1,500 innocent people, Richards is the next contestant to fight for his life and his freedom. When Running Man host Damon Killian, Dawson, says, come on down, be prepared to pay with your life. But Ben Richards isn't going down without a fight. Off Schwarzenegger goes into the burned out sections of Los Angeles to face four of Killian's ace stalkers, Sub-Zero wielding his razor-sharp hockey sticks, Buzzsaw, the maniacal motorcycle riding slasher, Dynamo practicing his deadly electric shot treatment, and Fireball with his mighty flame-throwing arsenal. Now, the entire country is glued to the tube in a heart-pounding, sudden-death
0: battle. The Running Man. That must have been the smallest print in the back of the VHS box, Jason that was definitely a mouthful god so that was what's on the box or boxes or so th- it was boxes. just gonna say that was a
1: yeah that was on a dozen boxes
0: oh my goodness
1: i have to say it was pretty funny because i do sometimes enjoy obviously i enjoy this segment and i enjoy like transcribing the segment when i find the vhs box and I'm like oh man this just brings me back especially looking at the picture on the vhs box and then you flip it over and you see it but uh, when I was transcribing this, I was like, holy shit, man, this is taking forever. I've, I've got a movie to watch. I've got things to do with my life. And I'm writing things like off Schwarzenegger goes into the burned out. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're really going to break down this entire movie. Bill Band, how are you tonight, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Hey, man, I'm just glad to be here with you. That's all that matters.
0: All right, there we go. All right, So let's move on to our uh, first segment which is earliest memories. Jason, what are your earliest memories of The Running Man?
1: I have fond early memories of this film because it's simple entertainment for me. And I didn't see it in the movie theater. I saw it on cable after. And I believe I actually saw this before Predator. I remember seeing Predator late too. I don't know why that happened, but Predator technically came out the summer before this film. Schwarzenegger had two big movies that year, that being 1987. So I didn't see it in the theaters. Uh, One of the first memories I have was the music. I'm a big film score guy and Harold Faltermeyer did the score for this heavy on the synthesizer. Faltermeyer, you know, having notable scores with Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop. And the famed themes axel f the top gun theme or top gun anthem i should say so the music i always uh was one of those things that stuck with me and i remembered coming out of this movie schwarzenegger's one-liners are so bad that they're good Uh, it's just one of those things the game show concept in a dystopian future was something that really got me going so Schwarzenegger's character's name is Ben Richards, but I, for some reason what stuck with me after seeing this movie was the, the moniker, The Butcher of Bakersfield. I just thought that was a great bad guy moniker. And then uh, the female lead, of course, in you know, now, gosh, 1987, I was what, going on 13, 13 14 years old, and I'm looking for who's going to be the hot girl in the 80s movie. And for this funny bill, I wrote down Rachel Ticketon. Was the way, what I remember, for, and I, I don't know why I was doing this weird crossover with Total Recall
0: oh, okay. tonight when
1: I was doing this. And it, it's I apologize to everyone. That is, it's obviously Maria Conchita Alonso is the female lead. She plays Amber Mendez in this film. Uh, and I remember as a kid, she didn't really do it for me. I knew she was pretty, but I just you know things change, perspectives change because for some reason she does it for me now. Don't <laughs> ask me why, Bill. Don't ask me why I'm I remember not. the dancers in this movie and I'm, I'm going to do a little jazz hands for you, Bill. Uh, the da- it's all about the dancers in the running man. We get a lot of dancers, a in lot in of this dancers. one, but again, coming of age, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the dancers in this, uh, movie, a lot of eighties hair hairdos and, uh, hiked up leotards and flesh colored tights. And they're doing their thing out there. I remember Maria Conchita Doing her workout in this movie for some reason. <laughs> it stuck with me. In, in her lingerie on the weight bench.
0: On the doing some flex. I think it is.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Of course, Arnold's goofy one-piece unitard costume in this thing. It's, it's ridiculous. I always remember, you know, afterward and seeing this movie over and over again when I was younger, she was you know, trying to decide who my favorite villain was out of all the quote-unquote stalkers. Uh, I was always, you know, here's one thing. Bill, that I remember one of my earliest memories was being disappointed with captain freedom. I'm looking forward to Jesse, the body doing something in this fucking movie. And I was so disappointed that he doesn't do a damn thing. He doesn't do anything in this movie except for some jazzercise. And we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay. I also remember dynamo dynamo going out like a bitch, getting electrocuted in his underwear. (laughs) Yafet Koto, rest in peace. Yes big fan alien for me, actually one of my favorite roles, Mosley, man for midnight run. Uh, he's just, he's made, you know, so I remember him being the good uh, kind of sidekick buddy of uh, Schwarzenegger's in this film, Richard Dawson steals the show often. I mean, he's, he's a, a lot of time can probably since he's playing himself, but he's used to this role, obviously, uh, you know, he'd been the host for many years on family feud. And then, um, I one of my memories is just loving how Dawson goes out. I think he has the best death of the, everybody in this film. Gosh, you know, this is an, another movie eighties movie where Schwarzenegger just yet yeah, gets to exhibit his brute, brute strength in moments. And he's just all muscle. There's no uh, real, you know, other fighting skills on display here. He's just, uh, he looks good in the movie. And he was 39 years old when they, they shot this. So Those are some of my memories. I got another random one. I'm going to go into this brief story and it's just kind of funny because years later, I was just a big fan of Harold Faltermeyer and the synth score. And I bought this soundtrack and I was in college and this was probably, well, it had to have been 91, 92. Uh, This will be the second time I'm bringing up Jeff Cloudy on this podcast, but he, it was late one night. I'm hanging out in my dorm room. Uh, he and I and my uh, my buddy Sippy were just kind of it, it was late night, we're just kind of crashing, we're zoning out, listening to some music. And I had the Running Man soundtrack on. What a random! I was such a nerd just playing movie soundtracks, it wasn't like any cool, like music of the time, you know, or lyrical music. And and uh, Jeff was, was like, What is this? This is pretty cool. I'm like, Yeah, this is just good to kind of fall asleep to, actually. I don't know what that says actually about the soundtrack, but uh, that's one of my random earlier memories about this movie is the the score in college, listening to it in my dorm room over and over again. So that's why. What about you, Bill Bantz? What are your early memories attached to The Running Man?
0: So uh, like you, I did not see this in the theater. I think for the most of Schwarzenegger's early movies, I was just renting them. I always just thought they were just solid rentals. Because for me, like as much as I like Schwarzenegger movies, I didn't feel they were, I need to go to the theater and see them. Mm-hmm. But I know for this one, it always appealed to me with the sense of the game show aspect yeah. of it, right? Like, being in the future. So I thought that was kind of neat. But like you, yeah, earliest memories, definitely the dancers, because they're, they're spotlighted a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Throughout. Sure. The other thing that always stands out is the tunnels when they get shot into the game. Bless God bless you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Always loved it as a kid. That was always amazing. I wouldn't like that ending, though, being caught in that little net then. I'm like, yeah, you got whiplash. Oh, yeah. You're you're, you're done right there. We'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Just the crazy, ridiculous stalkers that were in this. They were just all so silly. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember kind of being a little bit disappointed when the movie was over. There was just something about it that just felt off to me sure i could never put my finger on it so i always consider this like a second tier schwarzenegger film okay that's i think that's fair in retrospect like i thought it was okay i wasn't in love with it of course you know all the schwarzenegger one-liners because that was really his big thing that kind of took off so it's like commando was that really the the one i mean because you know he has a one-liner in terminator that he's probably will back that he's known for but then really which he brings
1: back in this film exactly which works great. And which obviously he goes on to use several times. But yeah, no, I think you're right. Commando is really the film where the, the one-liners take off. That becomes part of his uh, kind of like his
0: repertoire, his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I loved uh, Dawson's comeback on that. Like, yeah, only in reruns. So that yeah. was kind of cool. I was like, all right, that was a good comeback to it. So, yeah, that's, that's really my earliest memories of The Running Man yeah, um, I'm just glad that
1: you brought up the the rocket slides going down the, the tunnels, oh yeah, um, as a way to enter the game. It's just completely badass, especially look at you know, as a teenage kid, you, know, I'm watching them just going like, yeah, I want to ride that thing. And yeah, I don't want to come out at the, at the end of the tunnel because it is not safe at all. They did no. not set that up correctly. But yeah, man, I, you know, I think you're spot on with saying it's a bit of a second tier Schwarzenegger film, like kind of in the raw deal second tier. You know, it's not going to be up there with, obviously, Terminator 2, True Lies, or Predator, of course. It'll be right underneath there. But uh, yeah, I still find it entertaining. You know, and as far as like some of my other initial comments upon watching it, I, again, just have to go back to poor Jesse, the body Ventura, man. And the film just does them dirty, just doesn't, does them does dirty upon rewatch. There's something, here's a general commentary. I was thinking about Bill is that okay. there's something about eighties films that they just seem easy to watch. I found it still to be an easy watch. This isn't a struggle to get through no matter how, like, it's so bad. It's good type of movie. It is like, they just get to it. They get to the action. They get to the point. It seems granted. There's a lot of dancing in this movie a but it's still it still moves in some way where i just i'm not exhausted after I, i've watched the film or it's not a total bore it's just simple entertainment and i appreciate it for that there's just something again just something about 80s movie. they figured out the structure they figured out don't get me wrong it's not a perfect film it's not like a back to the future which is just completely this has a brilliant structure and it's just written perfectly from beginning to end you know, acts one, two, and three. It's not quite on that part. It's still, I had fun with it. This is not a great film. Not all of it holds up well. I think I was in denial about it as a kid, meaning I really just wanted it to be cooler than it was. Exactly. I, think I let my imagination go and imagined cooler villains, cooler versions of the stalkers than what actually is in the film. And now watching I'm like, oh yeah, these guys are fucking lame oh my god but still just kind of camping in a way it's still fun the idea of it was fun so that's that's really all I got
0: Yeah, I think when you mention about it moving in a way it's almost weird once they got into the game I almost felt like it moved too fast because hmm. it was like stalker 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 I really wanted to see more I guess in the sense of, of the stalking aspect of like what these guys could really do it was like they just got thrown in Schwarzenegger squared up with them, killed him in two minutes, and then the next guy showed up. That just felt awkward to me. It was almost like you go into like a boxing match, and you just watch fight after fight after fight after fight. The two guys go in the ring, they fight, they get out, the next two guys come in right away, and that's it. There's no introducing or any of that kind of stuff. It just goes fight, 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 fight. And that's what I like about it. And then the writer in me watching this again was, unfortunately, I didn't see the point of the love interest. I right. probably would have made her part of the resistance. It's funny you say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make the resistance more important to the story? Oh, completely sure. Sure. Cuz they yeah, they're in the beginning and then they come in at
1: the end and obviously they're alluded to throughout when they're trying to get the uplink code and they're going to try to reach the resistance and there is, you know, so that they can take over the broadcast. But it's funny that you bring up Amber Mendez. Sorry if I cut you off, man.
0: No, it's okay. Go ahead.
1: That character because i was going over my earliest memories before watching the film and i'm trying to remember you know what what do i recall about this movie just based off on my raw memory i was like oh yeah she what is what is she what's her role in this again oh i think she has something to do with the resistance that's what it is cuz that's what i and i thought and then i'm watching the movie she has nothing to do with the resistance no almost just there by accident really it, it's just a it is it's all at by accident
0: but it's funny at the end, all of a sudden, she's leading a group of the resistance and knows how to use a gun. What, with no that, problem. With. I don't know.
1: Bill, that didn't make sense to you. That made complete sense to me. I was like, oh, yeah, she knows how to use this automatic weapon and I can understand why she's suited up and I'm, she's going to join the resistance. She is now a freedom fighter. Exactly. That leap was stupid.
0: <laughs> was like, yeah, was What say- are you
1: doing? I totally agree with you, Bill. I was like, what is happening right now? why how what when did she learn how to fire a gun she wasn't yeah. she just like running in circles screaming like a chicken with her head cut off five minutes ago exactly not knowing what to do where to help and she's trying to run away like I, what anyway i think it's interesting also too that you bring up because there's okay so it's funny because we have the remake of or the reboot of mortal combat has just been released and that's you know, the original, it's based on a video game that's about a tournament, right? It's just guys fighting one another. It's mano-we-mano and you have, it's fight after fight after fight. And in this film, you're saying it kind of goes a little, you know, from a writer's standpoint, you know, it goes a little bit too quickly. And I, that's interesting to bring that up because I personally agree. I would have felt like, or I would have liked to seen let's say, for instance, uh, Schwarzenegger goes up against Sub-Zero. That's the first stalker he has to face. First right. opponent. And it would be cool now granted he has two teammates at this point uh we have weiss and laughlin mm-hmm. and yet yeah, laughlin is yafet koto um and forgive me i don't recall uh weiss is the actor's name but it's the three of them and they're now uh in the game and they are supposed criminals going up against these stalkers who are like ex like military guys that are badasses and sub-zero You have a cool set piece here, right? But I would have liked to see a little bit more of a cat and mouse thing where it kind of starts off that way, where Sub-Zero comes out of the shadows and he's attacking from different angles. They don't know where he's coming from. And then it's over. Schwarzenegger gets the better of him. He's the hero, of course, comes out on top and manages to rip off some cheesy one-liner. Right. Oh, he was a real pain in the neck. Amazing. And- I would have liked to see a little bit more of the, the chase kind of like I said, cat and mouse, but the hunt, you know, the, the stalker really hunting them and they're trying to, they have to develop strategy or tactics in order to get through a maze possibly. Yes. And then move on to the next stage, but then they learn more about one another as teammates possibly, or the villain or what this game really means. And then there's something, you know, you start developing layers as you go, but you're absolutely right it maybe goes against what I was saying originally, why I liked it is because it moves quickly is that there could have definitely been more development within the game itself.
0: Yeah. But you could still do that and move it quickly. I just just felt like you didn't really care about, not not that you should care about the stalkers, but it would have made them more interesting if you understood more of what they were about or why they do, I don't know you have to know why they do this, but okay. You, are you going to make this
1: a fight movie or is it going to be more of a backstory type of film where there's a lot more development? Because it's, it's okay to just have a fight movie and we know that's what it's going to be. But there was so much, there was some cool, the, the setting, the concept had layers almost built into it that just never get discovered. You could peel back like, who are these guys that got thrown out? Why are they in this position to be a stalker? What is their motivation? Anything. You know, like you say, we don't have to spend the whole movie giving them a full backstory. We don't need to know each and every one of their backgrounds. Like what's Sub Zero's background? What's Fireball's background? But to give us something to make them maybe even a little bit multi layered or sympathetic, or we empathize with them on some level, connect to them on any level. So the thing is then, fine. If you're going to go with a fight movie and it's just going to be fight after fight after fight, those fights better be fucking good. Exactly. Right? They better be damn good. And you've got Schwarzenegger. And this is another thing, looking back upon Schwarzenegger films, we, uh, with this perspective going, I am a big Schwarzenegger fan. I grew up with him generationally, all that stuff. Still love the guy. But he's not a martial artist. He's not the most acrobatic or dexterous you know, type of fighter. He's brute strength and power. That's his thing. So the fights aren't as complicated. So the choreography can, get, can be quite simple. So if it's going to be a fight movie, which this turns out to be, the fights just kind of start and end. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're moving on. That just happened.
0: Yeah. And I think what makes it worse is because the movie he did before this is Predator. Mm. And I mean, we don't really know that much about the Predator, but the Predator is freaking badass. Yeah. And what you know about him is cool. And you don't get that from any of these stalkers. You don't feel like they're cool. It's like, okay. One guy is on ice skates. Another guy has a flamethrower. Right, shoots electricity. They're like one trick ponies. Whereas yeah. the predator has all this cool tech, and the whole time you're trying to figure out.
1: And a lot of mystery.
0: A lot of mystery. Yeah. Whereas you don't get this mystery from these stalkers, and that's what no, just kind of makes. They're it, just thugs.
1: Yeah, they're basically. Just thugs. Mm-hmm. We're led to think that they're more than that, but we don't. They don't give us any of it.
0: No they need to somehow develop that to make it more interesting to see what they were going through or even how, like it was kind of cool how the audience picks who's going to go up next, but it would have been cool to see how they move the group into that arena. You saw a layout of the running man arena. And it was sectioned off like, all right, this is sub zero arena. Okay. If the audience member picks sub zero, we got to send them this way. So they go in there to fight. Just something like that would have been kind of neat, just to see how kind of like um, you think of the horror movie Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. how they picked that out and they had all the creatures, and that was right. kind of cool how they figured that out. It's like okay, if they if they pick this up, then we had to trigger this creature. Right? Cool. We'll yeah, think yeah, yeah. The same thing in, in the Running Man, which I think they totally did not develop.
1: I agree. If I were to be uh, a member of the audience watching this, I would like to see these the rats in a maze. And if like you're looking on the screen and you're watching the show unfold live and you're watching these characters and these stories play out, you, I'd like to see, yeah, the layout of the actual grounds, like the actual, the game itself. If there was a maze and there's different levels and there's things within these levels that they have to get through obstacles. They have to overcome in order to get to the next level where they're going to fight the next boss. Right. And right. then get to the next level. And there's all these stakes and you, and then of course, you've got people placing bets on the outside all the time. There's things to bet on left and right, uh, which is, you know, adds to the the fun of it, even though it's somewhat sadistic, Mm -hmm. but it makes for entertainment. So, but they didn't, yeah, they didn't take advantage of what I think was all just laid right there, laid out in front of them. But
0: anyway. All right. Do we move on to favorite scenes? Absolutely. Why don't you go first on favorite scenes? Sure. So I have none. How about you, Bill? There we go. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, this
1: is one of those situations where uh, it's funny enough here. We're going to go right back to that point, how things move so quickly, where I was like, oh, that, that seems okay. But it just kind of went by and it was over. And then, okay, that's not really a scene that stands out for me. But uh, what I'll go with right now is actually where I found some enjoyment. It was right off the bat with the, uh, the opening uh, detention center riot. Uh because of the fact that it just contains some great all around 80s shit i mean you've got great 80s violence first of all so this is called in the beginning okay for the the audience listening arnold schwarzenegger plays a character named ben richards who is a police helicopter pilot who's been wrongly accused of a mass slaughter of this crime and he's been sentenced to uh this detention center which is now this is a dystopian future which takes place in 2019 and the detention center is called the wilshire detention zone so this is supposed to take place in a dystopian los angeles and it was funny because i see the Wilshire the wilshire detention zone and it looks like the whole thing is like in you know shambles and under construction and it's just and i'm like oh so this is accurate Yes, This is what Wilshire just That's what it looks like today, where it's just construction and crap all over the place. And I fucking hate driving around that area. Sorry, no disrespect to the people living in the Wilshire district. Uh, it has its upside, but anyway, so great 80s shit. And it. so it's at the detention center. You've got a head explosion. Yes. You've got nice. Arnold just doing his thing where he's doing the, the, uh, I can hold a machine gun with one hand. Yes. He does it like two or three times.
0: And turns Which, and shoots accurately with it too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Great one-liner where he grabs one of the uh, detention guards, like by the belt, and lifts him up over his head and says, need a lift, and throws him over the railing. There's just some great 80s shit in this scene. <laughs> this is my favorite. So they purposefully start this riot to stir things up, to, to distract the guards, because one of the... Uh, prisoners is going to take the computer and disable the the security system so they can escape without their heads blowing off because they're all wearing these basically what are they called uh, like
0: these. explosive collars yeah thank you
1: so they have to disable the collars and there's a code that they got to put in and etc in order to incite the riot schwarzenegger throws a punch at yaf koto and it is he misses by a mile Mm-hmm. And you hear the sound effect and everything, but it's a great ghost punch where he just, if you pause it, if you look at it, he doesn't even come close. I was like, wow, they, they just went with that take. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even though he, it's a fake fight, they're just starting a fight to start shit in the prison. He's still, as an actor, swinging a punch at somebody, like he misses him by a mile. It's just really funny. So, how about you? You got any, uh, I, I just scenes. I've got a few others I just started with that one
0: I just love also in that scene with the code on the computer where the digits for the code had to be as big as like on the eye chart it's the top row it's the e it's got to be that big so everyone and their brother can see it
1: <laughs> like I,
0: here's another issue with
1: security in security guards in 80s movies bill ban what's up I don't know the guy's sitting right in the middle of the grounds where people like your prisoners are walking around left, and right. He's right out and he's just got his little laptop wide open yeah, with a code that a blind person could read. Yeah. You know, it's just the letters are. Yeah. Uh, it's only what? Six, six digits. Oh yeah. It's not too difficult to memorize that one. No. We'll goodbye. get into it. Co- I have a, here's an, I think I, I I'm, I'm developing or at least recognizing that I've developed some sort of anxiety issues Some of these, what was the one I brought up in the last podcast? What was I getting? uh, Oh, when somebody, (laughs) people uh, throw their papers, toss papers off the desk, when they just swipe everything off the top of the desk and throw it on the ground or anybody drops a pile of papers, I'd lose my mind. Well, in this one, it's if they ever show a code on a screen, I feel like I need to memorize it. Right. Me as the viewer, like (laughs) I, I, I gotta, I gotta know it. I gotta know this code. Cause it's going to come up later and I'm going to have to punch it in and I've got to do it by memory. So uh, what is yeah. it? And thankfully it was very easy in this movie. Well, I
0: mean the code for the uplink was at least a little bit more difficult.
1: I wrote it down, Bill. I've got it.
0: Do you really? And, that's awesome. <laughs> I remember the last, I remember there was being a seventeen seventeen. that's about it. on the yeah, 17,
1: 17, four. Okay. 61 B. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it
1: just drives me nuts sometimes. Cause then, because there it's but it is a good device to create some sort of tension where a character does have to remember the code because so much rides on it. You know? Yeah.
0: The stakes are at anyway. But yeah, they definitely needed a better system of turning on and turning off the uh, security gate. That was just ridiculous. Come on, it's 2019. We should know better than that back then. All right, this is one of my favorite scenes. And not and I know you've been busting on Jesse Ventura in this. <laughs> But I only like the concept of what they did was the final fight between Captain Freedom and Ben Richards. Agre- yeah. okay. yeah, agree. Like, okay, I agree. Like the fight is not that great. but the fact that they use that scene to manipulate the audience into thinking, Ben Richard died. Right. I thought it was pretty cool. But then my next thing was, well, he's not dead. So what happens if he does show up? But I, but I, I just thought the whole thing of because, especially nowadays, because we do have that technology where we can kind of do that stuff. In that sense, I thought it was cool too. It was like, oh yeah, they were actually this is one of the few moments of the film where like, oh they're actually on the mark about what they could do with technology, hundred percent the future. So that's yeah, what it was I ahead of its
1: time in that way. They predicted it. Yeah, uh, the, there that was some smart sci-fi. Yes, for sure. I agree. And, you know, watching this again, too, I will acquiesce a bit here on the, you know, take it easy on Jesse, the body. He does get his moment to shine in that particular scene, even though technically he's not fighting Schwarzenegger. You're meant to believe he is the audience in the theater is meant to believe that he is. So he does get his moment in the spotlight and show, you know, he's in the ring. He's doing kind of his wrestler thing. So he gets to kind of he gets his fight.
0: He does. It's just, I wish they played it up a little bit more. Yeah. They should have played up his wrestling background a little more.
1: Well, the the problem is, is that they're cutting to Jesse Ventura, the entire movie as if he's just waiting, waiting for his moment Mm -hmm. to either get out there. And then, then for some reason at the end, he says, he's not going to fight at all. And because of the ridiculous getup, they want him to wear, which is understandable, but then you just were, you were hoping for more from the fight. That's all. Mm-hmm. because it's just, it's, you know, it's funny that they, they were both in predator as well. Exactly. You got Jesse, the body and uh, Schwarzenegger in back-to-back movies in the same year.
0: Yeah. And we better mention this. Cause I know everyone else talks about it. Future governors. Okay. So we said it, we said it, everyone, we know Done. that there were future governors. Okay. Uh, moving on. Favorite scene, Jason, what else do you have?
1: All right. I have to say when Ben Richards first comes to the running man show, the, the, the first running man, Show is great. The buildup, the excitement. I love the pomp and circumstance. You've got the dancers going, you've got people getting way too excited about this show. I thought it was cool. I thought the buildup was great for the first show. So, everything leading up to and including the rocket sleds going down the tunnels was, I thought, pretty cool. I thought if this is, I'm, I'm putting this as a scene, is the entire running man. Setup, if that makes sense.
0: No, that's good, too.
1: The lead-up was great.
0: Uh, you know what part was just so uncomfortable for me to watch was when Damon Killian, who's Richard Dawson, says, mm-hmm. oh, we have we have a surprise for you. We brought two of your friends. Right. So uh, Yafik Koto and um, Marvin McIntyre, Weiss and Lachlan. Yep. And they're in the sleds. And you can tell by looking, I'm like, oh, my God, I must... I would have hated being on set filming that day because my neck must have been hurting so bad. Just looking at them, trying to strain and look up the way they were.
1: Oh, it looked brutal. That was looked so uncomfortable.
0: I would have been just like, just shoot me down the sled. Just shoot me down the sled. I don't okay. want to sit like this. That was just ridiculous. That, I felt bad for them. I'm like, oh, my God, you're going into a lot worse. But that right there must have sucked, being up like that. I'm like, why Why do they have them straight down like that? Where they, at Well, least, right. You got Again, the main, the, at least you got the main shoot where you go down the middle.
1: So for our listeners, the Running Man show, when they're broadcasting live from the studio, you have your in-studio audience. They're going nuts. You've got Richard Dawson, who plays Damon Killian, who's out there doing his announcement. But, and Richard Dawson is killing it. He's just working the audience. And then he goes to the screens. And he says... We've got a great contestant tonight. It's Ben Richards, the butcher of Bakersfield. And they watch this doctored footage of uh, Schwarzenegger as Ben Richards slaughtering all these people. And Schwarzenegger comes out in his bright yellow unitard. And here's the thing that Bill's talking about here is that the main like kind of uh, central part of this whole set piece in studio is the shoot. It's this tunnel. And it's the very beginning. This is how the contestants actually enter the game because the game mainly takes place in these down and out sections of LA. So they have to get there somehow. So the contestants are strapped into these, like into a rocket sled that runs down the chute and it's in the middle of the studio. So there's one that's going down, but the reveal here, and this is again, yeah, like Bill said, it's like one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite scenes is that He's not going into this himself. He was led to think that if he was the contestant on the show, two of his buddies that escaped jail as well would not have to be on the show. As it turns out, they actually are. They're going to be joining him. So we get to see Schwarzenegger strapped into the rocket sled going down the main chute. But the other two guys, as Bill was saying, they're strapped into their rocket sleds in a vertical Position. They're not yeah. sitting on the f- ground, just kind of going horizontal down the tube. They're literally strapped into these things, and I hate to say, it, but it's almost, they look like they're almost like crucified to these sleds, yeah. and it, it looks extremely uncomfortable. yafe Koto is sweating bullets. Oh yeah, it works though. It's it builds tension, and they start, and then they go down. They go straight down into the tubes. I don't know if that helps the listeners out there kind of visualize it. You need to see that. So that I thought everything kind of building up the running man show. Oh yeah. The spectacle of it was really, was well done. Like I felt like I was there. I was like, yeah, all right, let's get this show going. I want to be there. I'd like to be there in studio as part of the audience and they're all dancing and all the hot girls are dancing, you know, out on doing their thing and Dawson is playing it all up. It's like, this is, yeah, this is big time.
0: Yeah, and just even the shots of the people in Los Angeles just outside getting going to the betting pods or whatever you want to call it to get ready for this game too Um, and watching them on their big screens, which I'll get into the TVs later. All right, do you have any other favorite scenes?
1: I'm just going to give one more shout-out to our man, Yafet Koto. His death scene was pretty good, and I... You know, that's the that was my opening quote for tonight's pod is that he gets to say, I don't want to be the only asshole in heaven, Ben. There's some cool lighting in that scene, actually. And it's like this deep blue. They use like a deep, like the dark blue mm-hmm. gel or something. And everybody looks really cool in that scene. So it was kind of a well-lit scene. So I thought, yeah, I Cotto got a uh, good death scene in this.
0: So let's move on. I know you touched on those a little bit on the soundtrack. Uh, right. Of course, was by Harold Faltemeyer. Um, who did some great 80s soundtracks Beverly hills cop top gun and another favorite of mine is fletch oh yeah all right so i guess we're disagreeing on this one <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i like i was so excited when i saw his name in the credits i'm like oh cool and i was like why do i not remember the music from this movie and i literally had to keep telling myself like oh listen for the music for me like when you think of those other three movies the music is almost like another character or it's an enhancement of the character. Sure. Whereas for this one, I, it kept getting lost for me. Like I kept forgetting that there was music in it. Maybe if I'd listened to it separately, I might like it, but for the film itself, I was kind of eh, on it, to be honest. It, it just didn't. Okay. For me, I didn't, I didn't have hey. a set at home to listen to or, or play for Jeff Colby. So I don't know. Right.
1: Look, Bill, you're entitled to your opinion. You're wrong, but you're still entitled to your opinion. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I totally understand. You know, when you think about Beverly Hills Cop, the theme is Axel F, right? Everybody knows it. It's literally named after the character, you know, Axel Foley. So it's associated with him. It's extremely identifiable. It's iconic. You go to Top Gun. It's literally an anthem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so inspirational. It heightens the entire experience. You cannot help but get pumped up. It's, again, supremely iconic. So it's a tough follow-up, right? I still think this soundtrack sets the tone. And the theme, I appreciate. Not all of it is gold, but it's effective for me. So speaking of the music, and technically it is part of the official soundtrack, of course. The main theme of the film... Is called Restless Heart, Running Away with You, which is written by the one and only John Parr, performed by John Parr. It's at the, at the end credits. It's one of those great '80s theme songs, and of course, John Parr, probably most famous for the theme from Saint Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion, which is oh, just yeah. the like the most iconic. Like you and you, I, even was listening to this song during the end credits, and I was fit, like fist pumping lip syncing i'm like oh yeah this is again so bad it's good he's got a very identifiable 80s theme song movie theme song voice that john parr and uh i would be remiss if i didn't mention that his song john Parr's song naughty naughty was yeah. used in the miami vice episode florence italy john parr big in the 80s
0: yeah, I think I was surprised too because I'm listening to the, you know that song at the end. And I'm like, oh, typical eighties. And then I was like, oh, who sings this? And I I did one of those, what? John Parr? Holy crap. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of this song outside of this movie. So let's move on. Um so we're gonna move on to our Swiss cheese slash complaint department. Yes. Uh, We call it Swiss cheese because... Because although this movie is delicious, it does have holes. Right. So if it doesn't fall in Swiss cheese, it is a complaint. What do you have for the Swiss cheese complaint department, Jason? All
1: right. Well, I'm going to put this in the Swiss cheese segment. Now, in the film, Ben Richards has been uh, jailed for a crime he doesn't commit. And he meets two of his cohorts in jail. The three of them escape. They go their separate ways. Ben Richards is supposedly trying to find his brother and get out of town and ends up in the apartment of Maria Conchita Alonso. And basically, he's almost he's basically out. He's about to escape. And meanwhile, we understand that there's this huge show going on, this reality competition show called The Running Man, hosted by Damon Killian. And Damon Killian is looking for a worthy contestant. And he's trying to find the next big contestant for the show because he got he's got to get his ratings up and in another he's so he's like behind the scenes at the studio and he's in the you know the offices and in another room he catches on one of the screen like screens like video footage of Ben Richard's escape from the detention center he so started talking about it. I didn't think about it until he starts saying it yeah and it's all like in slow motion from multiple angles, just look making Schwarzenegger look like a complete stud. And that's when Killian goes, "There he is. That's the guy. This guy just broke out of jail. Look at those muscles. Look at those biceps. He's a star." Based, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he's saying. And I'm going, "What? What kind of footage? What is he watching? Wait, where? How did he get this footage? That would never happen. First of all, how often do you ever see like?" footage of one person, like during a prison break in slow motion from multiple angles and close-ups. And it's hilarious to me because I was like, that's absolutely fucking ridiculous. You get it. I mean, they make their point, but it's just completely unrealistic. Like that's how he finds out. He's like, okay, we got to find this guy. And then on top of it is like, what was his plan? Because Ben Richards had escaped. He's out. I guess his plan was to call the justice Department or somebody who the producers of the show and be like, we just have to f- track him down. Yeah. It's like, cause they honestly, they got lucky. Yes. Ben Richards ends up taking Maria Conchita Alonso, AKA Amber Mendez to the airport. She punches him in the nuts and he gets captured. That's mm-hmm. because the airport security nabs him. That's yeah. how he gets caught and then ends up on the show. But if that hadn't happened, Damon Killian would be shit out of luck because killian's like yeah we're gonna get him to be on the show and i'm like how are you going to get him he escaped he's out in the world like as a game show host what was his
0: plan do you see what i'm saying yeah he actually got caught by airport security right <laughs> that's pretty lame. you can't let yourself get caught by airport security Come well on, here's here's a tip this is what i think we've
1: learned i think this has happened in a few different films If uh, airport security is onto you and you're on the run from the law, don't go running on the tarmac. Not a good idea. You're out in the wide open. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to give tips. I'm not saying it's a good idea to evade airport security, especially in this day and age. Please be safe, everyone. Abide by the law. But not a good idea. I I kept saying. To run out in the open like that.
0: When he's running and he sees what they're going to catch him with. I just kept saying, stop and duck, stop and duck and just go off in another direction. Just go off in another direction. By the time the car pulls around, maybe you can hide somewhere. But yeah, the fact that he got caught by airport security. Come on, man. You can't do that. All right. So I got something for the complaint department. Yeah. Jason, what was the purpose of the prep scene for Ben Richards before he goes onto the show? Oh
1: great call, Bill. <laughs> hey, that was the scene where I actually really liked the music. I, mean, I did. It, set the t- it was just this cool synth, like like cool music in the background where he's on like the table when he's in the like the
0: laboratory, you mean? Yeah, because I was kind of like, what are they putting like tracking technology in him? That's so what I could... I forgot. I was like, oh, I, thought... I was like,
1: did they re- does is this how they're going to locate him throughout when he's in the arena basically when he's on the show?
0: Right. And, and I was he's like, running yeah, I around. It. All they do ah, is. There's like a never a callback to that. Uncomfortable needles. And then what was hilarious too is because they put the needle in his arm and you see he's got that big gash on his arm. And then the guy gets that huge bandaid and slaps <laughs> it on the needle. I'm like, why don't you put that on his arm? where He's got the big cut. Right. Dead? I don't <laughs> think he, I don't think he needs it for that little needle. And then he just goes in the room and they set the gas and knock him out. And I was like, is that going to come into play later? and it doesn't. That was not I didn't get that at all.
1: I was really confused too. I had forgotten about that sequence. Mm-hmm. And I was watching going, "Okay, this is kind of cool." And then they never called back to it at all. There's no mm-hmm. use for that whatsoever. No. There was a couple things in this film where I was like, there must have been something that was cut out or was in the original script that they just forgot to go back to or something or or delve deeper into. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's a really good call though. Going back to the footage that we're watching when our, when characters within the movie are watching things on screens. I talked about Damon Killian watching Ben Richards Prismscape. Correct. You just would never see footage like that. There's nothing realistic about it whatsoever. Then we come to the actual running man show and he's previewing his show. He's saying, we've got a great contestant for you tonight. It's Ben Richards, the butcher of Bakersfield and they show the footage from it's doctored footage, it's edited footage, but it's footage of Ben Richards as the police helicopter pilot committing this atrocity and massacring these people mm-hmm. during a food riot. And the footage is footage from the movie, the movie you and I are watching. Yes. That they're putting on the screen. They're like close-ups of Schwarzenegger and exterior shots of the helicopter. And then close-ups of the people in the, other people, like, it's like, there's no, it's not like security cam footage from no. within the helicopter or CCTV type thing. Like, it's not video, it's actual movie footage. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, how do they get hold of the movie that they're in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know. It doesn't make sense. Like, that's, what I'm, you know what I'm saying. I that's understand true. suspension of disbelief here. There's just no way. It just doesn't makes sense it takes you out of it or took me out of it also we we touched upon this earlier i'm just jumping to another issue i had was uh definitely this is for just that i have a lot of other issues but for the swiss cheese segment this is just a big hole is uh, a major hole is definitely amber mendez becoming a resistance fighter at the end (laughs) that's a what the fuck moment that's a huge hole like what the fuck is going on right now because made absolutely no she's cowering half the movie she's freaking out losing her shit because she doesn't belong in the game she, by the way she ends up in the actual running man show because she had undercovered the, the fact that they had doctored the, the footage to basically frame Ben Richards for this crime that he didn't commit and they bust her and they throw her into the show with him and the other guys and it makes little sense and then even less sense at the end because she turns into like literally within 30 seconds she puts on like camo and a vest and is carrying an automatic weapon
0: right because even the scene where she gets caught and she finds the footage and the guy taps her and then like she has that shitter pants moment and i'm like you could have just played that off just like oh hey what's up
1: yeah i'm just going through records or i'm yeah i'm just was looking for something instead
0: she's like. been caught
1: right you know it's like way to go idiot that would be great if she actually lifted her hands and they were
0: red like yeah she exactly. literally was caught red-handed she might as well have at that yeah. point I, right. yeah just act like you're supposed to be in there and you would have been fine and then, and then you wouldn't end up in the
1: show and then you wouldn't have to become a resistance fighter in 30 seconds
0: right and then all of a sudden ben richard's love interest too
1: yeah and then making out with schwarzenegger yeah at so the that, end. that like, makes so much sense wait, too what What what's happening right now? Yeah. The whole ending bill, this is where my major, I mean, this is Swiss cheese all over the goddamn place because the ending really falls apart. The worst part of the movie is when the resistance comes into the studio and they decide to have a firefight just in the middle of the crowd. They're going to shoot all the security guys. They're just innocent bystanders are getting shot left and right. There's a gratuitous shot this poor woman is running away from one of the uh, security guys and she gets riddled with bullets from behind,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're like, "What? What is going on here? Why are we? Why are we showing this?" So, not a good place to start a fight is no. in the middle of a studio audience. Yeah, so that doesn't hold up at all. All that being said, though, John Parr's theme song comes in and makes it all okay. So I'm fine with all of it.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, so I got I got something <laughs> else for uh, Swiss cheese. Is in the beginning of the episode, they show the three runners that actually made it through.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And then, of course, the show, Amber finds the three bodies just in the middle of the arena.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a locker room, I believe. Yeah, a locker room in a basement somewhere.
0: And I'm like, wait, okay, it's kind of cool that we do find out that it's all a lie and that they're actually dead. But I'm like, they're not on Maui, wherever they were supposed to be. Why would you leave the bodies there? This is this, is, this is the one <laughs> yeah. that you you couldn't dispose the bodies, and it's the one room in the whole place that doesn't have a camera because you almost have to see it because Fireball comes in there, so we know what's kind of happening. So wouldn't oh, the absolutely. audience absolutely, there's three bodies in there too. Just with Fireball, right.
1: three rotting corpses in a locker room.
0: Yeah, don't at that point you just turn to the camera and say, "I found blah 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 and blah blah blah." Oh, totally. Yeah, uh,
1: the good point because she would be on camera. Because obviously, like you said, if Fireball is there, then the cameras are there because the audience is watching everything happen live and there's literally cameras everywhere. Yeah. And every nook and cranny of this game arena slash broken down section of LA. Uh, so if the
0: bodies are in the middle of the arena, okay, even if there's no cameras there, I come across oh, the Oh, it's bodies. a great call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just go out to the camera and say, Hey, look, just drag them
1: out. I just found the three guys that were supposedly the winners yeah. last season and That's are true. basking in the sun on Maui. Yeah, No, their corpses are right here. You mm-hmm. can see them.
0: It's amazing. They all had dog tags. Good yeah. call.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, anything else for Swiss cheese or complaints department?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I got tons for the complaints, but that was just my Swiss
0: cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Hey, Bill, yes? let's start at the very, very beginning. It's always a good place to start. Okay. An absolutely terrible title card. Oh, when my the, God. Oh, what the hell? The shitty arcade graphics? Bill, I had an Apple IIe computer growing up. What would have done better? Yes. Do you Did you ever play or hear of the game Load Runner?
0: I've heard of it. I don't, I've never played it. Look at it. it you can
1: see that. YouTube. Watch it on YouTube. It's hilarious. I, I used to spend many an evening in my team you know, playing that game on the Apple IIe. The little character is a little white guy that runs around. That's mm-hmm. the the running character, like during the title card, when the, the running man shows up on the screen, you see like a white guy's running. yeah That's load That's the, and I'm like, this is an Apple IIe video game title sequence. And then the running man title comes on the screen. I'm like, is, is this what we call the, the Robotron
0: font? Is that what they're using here? Yeah. Holy shit. Even the title crawl <laughs> to explain what was going on. Oh, that, was I'm R2. sorry.
1: You're right. That was the Robotron font. Yeah. Font. Okay. That's the Robotron. If okay. you just look up anybody at home, the Robotron video game was amazing growing up. The arcade game was yes. great. And they renamed it Robotron 2084. And it's yeah. awesome. Yes. It was a lot of fun. But that, that font is unmistakable. Mm-hmm. And that's what that, that scroll or that crawl in the beginning yeah, looked like. Uh, hey, Bill. Yes. Do you like to work out in lingerie? All the time. Yeah, yeah, me too. I guess that's not really an issue Then I can't
0: really make. I just laughed. So I was moving. like, oh, there's still Bowflexes in 2019. Right. I, I didn't know the Bowflex would still be around. <laughs> that that's always that's what be. cracked me out more was the fact that she had a Bowflex.
1: She's wearing her lingerie and nylons sitting on a weight the weight bench like portion of a Bowflex doing sit-ups and watching the news. And it's amazing. I'm like, who the hell does this? And to me, it's clearly like a porn scene set up because then Schwarzenegger shows up. It's like, oh, you just happen to be here working out in your lingerie. And here I am. I just I'm all clean. I just got out of the shower and I'm wearing my boxers and nothing else. But a yeah. this really tight T-shirt. It's like you just hear the music. It's like Harold Faltermeyer should have just kicked in with a bounce, bow, bow you know, exactly. and it's like, come on, what what are we doing here? Mm
0: hmm. Because I
1: remember that's why I wrote down here. I knew it even when I was a kid. I knew it. I was
0: like, "Are these two gonna do it?" <laughs> I love how I love how when we talk about porn scenes, it's always the bow chicka bow I'm like, when did that become the international like notes for, for porn? I'm like, what yeah. movie is is that actually yeah. from a porn movie? I, w- I actually want to know. I actually, actually do because everybody everybody does baron chicken, Yeah, that's the go-to. Exactly. I'm like, what movie is that from? Is that from something, you know, I don't know, Debbie Does Dallas? I don't know. I wouldn't know.
1: That that we should track it down.
0: Yeah. And if it's an 80s movie, we'll have to do a podcast on it.
1: Any viewers out there, if you can locate the origination of the Bound Chicka Bow Wow. Yes, please let us know. uh, (laughs) Hey, Bill, here's another issue I have. It's actually, I think it was in that same scene or led right up to that scene. Captain Freedom's workout. Holy shit balls. What the fuck is Jesse wearing? Uh, like what's he wearing? I don't know. A little too much room in the crotch, my friend. <laughs> with those stretchy pants. And I'm thinking, well, good for you, Jesse. Maybe you needed the extra room. But it looks fucking ridiculous. It's like got these high like hot pink lycra. I'm moving on.
0: Anyway, and I get yeah, just talking about because we talked about this earlier. I guess '80s hair made a comeback back in 2019. I must I must have missed that. <laughs> just I was just like, come on, right? Give me some uh, futuristic hairstyle
1: as as do, uh, cassette tapes. Yes, they make comeback, tapes. and
0: they even, they even talk about video cassettes too. I'm like, oh come on.
1: Yeah, not a lot of futuristic technology. Not well. I mean, they plant he Schwarzenegger does plan a trip to Honolulu, I think via hitting the same key on a keyboard ten times. Yes, exactly. <laughs> tab, tab. It must have been tab. Going to Honolulu. And now we're gonna, yep, oh, just booked our flight. Hey, Arnold, Arnold, hit like two or three different keys. Just make try. Just try to make it look like you know, like Jesus. The the rocket slides going down the chutes are awesome. But Jesus Christ, give our boys some headgear or some extra protection because they're flying out of these things at a thousand miles an hour going into some haphazard fucking nylon netting. And you're going to have a broken neck, a broken back, a broken spine, sternum, you name it. You're dead when you're coming out of that fucking cement tunnel, whatever it is. And why would you even if you're running this game show, your precious commodities are the contestants. Why put them at risk? They're going to die before they even get into the arena.
0: I know. I mean, even crash test dummies don't snap their necks as bad as these things were coming out of that tunnel. I was like, I had a show over. I
1: had a little Mandela effect, my friend. yeah. I I use that now. I think about it all the time because of you from the Risky Business podcast, Uh because I thought that somebody actually did die upon entering the arena. One of the contestants. But they didn't. I thought the Weiss, I thought he died. Like you see, like for some reason, I thought you saw him like with a bloody nose as if he had had brain trauma or broke his neck or something, Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. He's just like, you know, all shooken up. Uh, Moving on. 18, 24, 61, B, 17, 17, 4. That's the uplink code. Awesome. God damn it. I was like, I got to remember this. I got to remember this or else the resistance isn't going to be able to you know get into the feed and they won't be able to you know broadcast the truth okay here's my last issue fucking dynamo sucks oh my god oh my god he is one giant light bright magic screen do you remember the light bright oh yeah what the they couldn't come up with anything better he drives a fucking lego moon rover with shitty wheels all over the place only the only kind of cool part is when he actually breaks character because Schwarzenegger he tries to drive up a rocky mountain or a uh, rocky like hillside and flips over and then he's like oh my god oh my god don't please don't kill me so because he he breaks out of the dynamo character it was like okay that's kind of cool like you get to see him freaking out uh, because he's like this this is just a show you know cut to commercial cut to commercial yeah i actually like that moment but dynamo Is a bitch and he goes down like a bitch twice in this movie. Why does he even exist in this film? He's a good singer though. And the actor actually did sing opera. That's actually him singing. Yeah. So so kudos to the actor for putting on that the light bright suit and actually putting up with all that. So
0: kudos to him. It wasn't his fault. All right. So I'll just do one last complaint before uh, we move on. So we're not on this segment forever. Anytime they showed a TV. For TV footage, I was like, that was some of the crappiest looking TV footage, even for the shows. All the TVs are square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even the yeah. footage looks like it, it looks like when you're watching old like sports reels and it's everything's all blurry. I'm like, come on. Oh, sure. It's it's 2019. Right. I mean, we have HD now 4K and all that. I was like, this should be like super sharp, gorgeous, oh, cool. huge screen televisions. We're mm-hmm. not we're not looking through squares anymore. Even when they were out betting at the betting site had a better television than Amber had in her house or in any of the other houses, any other places you just saw. That just right. drove me nuts. Or when they showed the footage of that other game with the guy climbing the. Climbing for dollars? Yeah, climbing for dollars. <laughs> and you look at the footage. I'm like, this looks like. You. This was a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy on a VHS cassette that you gave to your friend to borrow, and you could barely see what was going on.
1: Yeah, it's oh. like you you want to just hit the what's what's the the tracking button to get the all the blurry lines out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like man, it it's be terrible footage. It may, it really
1: makes you appreciate Blade Runner all the more, doesn't it? When you think about a, a, a dystopian
0: society, in when did Blade Runner come out? Eighty two. Yeah. This is 87. Exactly. Because that was a cool map painting they had of Los Angeles. I agree. But that the, was cool. The buildings look great. Yeah. But the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, this is years after Blade Runner. Yeah. And yeah. their Los Angeles looks 100 times better than this does.
1: Oh, yeah. But you made me think of that. with just talking about, like, TV screens. Because in Blade Runner, you have all kinds of stuff going on with screens and the visuals, advertisements. On mm-hmm. sides of buildings, it's like, oh yeah, that could still, that place, that could yeah. be the future, but mm-hmm. not VHS recordings from five years ago. That was, you know, you'd left in the basement. That's the way these look in this mm-hmm. movie. I get yeah. it. That's great. That's a. Gr- I, that's yeah. You have every right to to file that issue with the complaints department.
0: Yep. All right. So let's uh, move on because we could probably do another. 40 minutes on complaints of Swiss cheese. Um, So let's move on to our next segment. It's Hey, it's that actor in this segment, we spotlight a character actor you have seen in many other films an actor making their big screen debut or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. So Jason, who's your, Hey, it's that actor. Well, all right, Bill. Well, this actor
1: portrayed the character credited as agent. He was, Ben Richards' theatrical agent in this film. The actor's name? Kenneth Lerner, a.k.a. Ken Lerner, who also goes on to be in RoboCop 2, Exorcist 3, well-known for his role as Principal Bob Flutie and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was on Days of Our Lives for a bit. He's actually in a new crime drama right now called uh, Gravesend. I don't know if it's out yet, but that's his latest credit on IMDb. But I have a very personal connection to Ken Lerner as he was my acting instructor for years, for more than four years, but gosh, just a great mentor, a great guide, a wonderful acting instructor, an extremely talented guy, very knowledgeable guy. He was just a wonderful guide, a really great guide. And he's still doing it. He's still teaching and obviously still acting a prolific actor and, um, uh, he's always been uh, near and dear to my heart. Unfortunately, I uh, lost a little bit of touch with him just, and that's due to my uh, laziness, but I do have other friends that uh, are in touch with him and he's doing well. So shout out to Ken, to, to my guy, Ken Lerner.
0: Awesome. Jason, when I, I forgot he was in this movie and yep. when I saw him, I literally pointed at the screen. Cause I'm like, there's Jason's that actor. I knew you were going to put it. Um, I have. Of course. I love no brainer this podcast. You have not to support it, Jason. Most of the time I kind of predict who you're going to point <laughs> out. At. And I was like, Oh, if he does not do Ken Lerner, I'm not going to be a happy person.
1: Oh uh, yeah, of course. He took me to the whole, a whole nother level as far as my, my acting ability. I mean, uh just, uh, I give him all the credit in the world. Just a great, yeah. Great mentor.
0: Yeah. And he does have a fun scene. The way he goes out was, was kind oh, of cool great too. I, th- I thought that yeah, was, yeah. I thought that was good too. The whole pen in the back thing. I thought that was kind of clever. That they he did has a that. great
1: expression on his face when he turns around and then he yeah. runs off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's great in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's one of these like, yep, here we go again. I've done this like 200 times and just go through the spiel, blah, 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 blah. And just the fact how many times has he probably turned his back to a runner? And there you oh, go. Sure. The one time he got, yeah, the one time he got burned. It's funny, and I,
1: shouldn't, uh, I should mention also he had a recurring role on The Goldbergs. Oh, okay. Uh, so Ken Lerner's a familiar face. You'd know him if you saw.
0: Gotcha. Um, so my handset actor is a female, and she was um, listed in the credits as the propaganda officer when uh, right before the show's about to start, and her big, her big line in this movie, and it's exactly at the 30-minute mark of the film, so you can go back and check this out. Um, her big line in the movie is, Big crowd tonight. And the propaganda officer was played by Lynn Shea. Now, Lynn Shea, if you do not know, um, she has appeared in a ton of the Farley Brother movies. She was in Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, and There's Something About Mary. And I, the first time I ever remember her was from Kingpin because she was the landlady. Of course. That would. Um, She's
1: awesome. Yeah, now I know exactly who you're talking about. Of course, I know the I knew the name when you said it, and I was like, "Why don't and that, Yeah, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. So she was Woody Harrelson's uh, landlady, yeah, and in Kings, kingpin right? who got yeah, sexual favors in order for him to pay the, the rent, and she was just nasty and and something about Mary, she was hilarious. <laughs> so neighborhood,
1: when she's all tan and leathery, <laughs> exactly, she's, yeah.
0: And what's crazy is she's been acting since the 70s in a lot of bit parts. And I was looking through her 80s credits. And Jason, this is some of her credits. I'm not going to say what the movies were, but just what her title character. Oh, awesome. Receptionist at Haven. Nurse with Telegram. Woman on Beach. Teacher. Journalist at Rally. Employment office girl. So her career did not take off until she was really in her 50s because we see her all the time now because she was one of the main characters in the Insidious franchises.
1: Okay, She, right. she
0: plays Elise uh, Rainier. So it's so crazy that this is one of the few times where an actress's career actually takes off later in her life where, you know, when you hear a lot of stories about Hollywood actresses, it's like once they hit 35, they're done because then they're just deemed too old and and that's it. Whereas Lynn... His career is actually take off after that point. Right. Like the latter half of her year, she's she's in a ton of stuff. I see her all the time. So it's just amazing to see. Oh, and she's I great. Really, yeah, because I really had to go back and like, wait, she's in this? What the hell else I she I didn't catch in? it. I completely missed it. Oh, yeah. she She's in it for like four seconds. And she's literally at the 30-minute mark. So okay. at the 30-minute mark, she says her line, and that's the last time you, you see her in this film. She's great. She's always great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now she's, uh, she does a ton of these the horror films uh, with uh, James Wan. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. 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 And she's well done. Yeah. Yeah. So she had a second career. So it was it good was for cool. her. And
1: yeah, uh, she's deserving. Yeah. So I also, yeah. Wanted to give a quick shout out to Sven. Oh yes. Sven Thorson. Yes. Who is just, is like our Al Leong of yes. '80s movies as well, like he's he's right there. I mean, he's in all these '80s movies because he's like six foot ten, not really, but he's like at least six five. I would imagine. Oh no, I think his excuse me, six four and a half is his height, I believe, according to IMDb. And uh, he's always like a heavy or the security guard or military guy, and he's just a big or a thug, you know, type. And uh, in this film, Sven plays a character named Sven. <laughs> and so he's David Gillian's right hand man like he's his uh, sec- personal security guard yeah uh, and he's in all kinds of 80s movies so and then also a shout out to Professor Toro Tanaka who plays Sub-Zero yeah he's a wrestler and his name was prof- so when he's introduced in The Running Man to Sub-Zero they don't just say Sub-Zero they call him Professor Sub-Zero yeah and that's a nod to his wrestling name mm-hmm. he's known as the Professor
0: yeah yeah, so we definitely have some cool uh, Hey Inside actors in oh, yeah, this yeah. movie. All right, so let's move on to facts and trivia. So some facts and trivia for The Running Man. I'll go first on this one. So as uh, so we mentioned earlier, the director of this movie was Paul Michael Glazer. And I know we've been doing a bitch fest uh, tearing this film apart. But <laughs> <laughs> a bitch fest about
1: characters going down like bitches.
0: Exactly. So Paul Michael Glaser was actually originally offered to direct this film uh, a while back, but he refused because he didn't feel like he had enough time to prep for the film. So they went through a couple other directors and eventually Andrew Davis of the fugitive fame was the original director who started shooting footage for this film, but he was fired two weeks into filming and Rob Cohen Um, who was the producer of the film, who knew Paul from Miami Vice, asked Paul to come back in to try to finish this film. And Paul was like, okay, I'll do it. He's like, how much time can I stop production to prep? They gave him a weekend. Yep. A weekend to do this. So he had a weekend to close down the film, work on it. He asked, so supposedly Andrew Davis shot some of the Early prison break-in stuff. And Paul asked, he's like, Can I reshoot everything? Because, you know, you're only a week in. And they're like, No, you have to keep that footage. So he had to figure out how to shoot around what Andrew Davis had. So he had, a, so basically you're mixing styles in that beginning of what right. Paul does and Andrew. So some of that footage in the beginning is stuff that Andrew Davis uh, shot for the prison scene, a- along with uh, what uh, Paul Michael Leisure did.
1: It's fascinating how it all works behind the scenes. Yes. Christopher Reeve was once attached to play the role of Ben Richards. Also rumored to uh, be in the running were Dolph Lundgren and Patrick Swayze. Of course, uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, had the role, but uh, decided to. He, he decided he didn't want to do it, so he gave it to Schwarzenegger. That's all bullshit. I just made that up. But according to the internet, where everything is true, you know, we know that Sylvester Stallone was up for every leading role in every movie of all time. Our girl Paula Abdul, yeah, once again coming through as a choreographer. So it's the
0: second movie we've had uh, Paula after yeah, "Can't Buy Me Love," right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So in this, yeah, she choreographed the pre-show dance sequences, uh, and she was friends with a lot of the. I guess a lot of the 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 female dancers were, uh, Laker girls. A lot of her friends little background on Richard Dawson as the host of Family Feud. We know that uh, Richard Dawson, of course, who plays Damon Killian, was the famed Family Feud host. I, Bill, grew up on that show. I love Family Feud. I thought Dawson was a great host. And one of his trademarks was, of course, kissing all the women on the show, which he ended up catching a lot of flack for. Uh, He was actually given the nickname The Kissing Bandit. And television executives repeatedly tried to get him to stop. And this is all directly from IMDb. But uh, I guess after criticism for doing that, he'd asked the viewers to write in and vote. The mail response resulted in about 200,000 responses, the wide majority of whom were in favor of the kissing. On the 1985 finale, Dawson explained that he kissed contestants for love and luck, something his mother did with Dawson himself as a child. And he's great in this, man. You'd mentioned uh, Rob Cohen being a producer. Yes. Uh, when he purchased the rights to the Richard Bachman novella, The Running Man, he had no idea that Richard Bachman was actually a pseudonym for Stephen King. Yeah. He didn't yeah. even know.
0: I don't even know if that was out.
1: If it had come out yet?
0: Yeah. 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 There's there's actually an interesting story I, I found online uh, about a year ago about the person who figured it out that Bachman was was King and, and kind of outed him. Um, if you can look that up online and check it out, it's pretty neat. But yes, as we're talking about the, the book, of course, you know, we, we do mention this is based on the book um, by Stephen King called The Running Man. And um, there is definitely a lot of differences between the novel and the movie. So in the novel, Ben Richards volunteers to be on the show because his daughter is ill and needs Right, medical attention, and he's broke and he has no money, and this is the only way he's going to be able to make money to take care of her. The show is not a three-hour show. It is a, like a 30-day show, and you get paid by the hour. So every, every hour you survive on this show, you get $100. And it takes place throughout the entire United States instead of uh, this arena. And ending is a lot different, whereas Killian offers him to be a... Stalker. Oh, should I give it away? Sure. Yeah. All right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Right, spoil, we'll spoiler alert. So in you don't the, want so it to
1: be ruined. So
0: yeah. Spoiler we'll alert. listen to the
1: next 30 seconds.
0: So spoiler in the book, he does end up becoming a stalker. Ah, so he does accept being a, a, a stalker in, instead. Wow. Yeah.
1: I Yeah. And spo- it's a 300 page book and I guess it, it's broken down to, into 100 chapters. And the oh, wow. chapters count backwards because it's kind of like a time. It, it starts with 100 minus dot, uh, dot, dot. And it goes. So as you get through the chapters, the final chapter just reads zero, zero, zero.
0: Oh, neat. I mean, I have a couple of Stephen King, but I've not read them. Right I'm yet. a
1: fan. And I guess this is one of the books he wrote in the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think he wrote it in like a week. Something uh, obscene. Right. Crazy where he just sat down and wrote it out mm-hmm. and 300 pages, hundred chapters. Okay. Yeah. Anything else for facts and trivia? The footage of the attacking helicopters is from the 1976 remake of King Kong.
0: Yes, that is true because um, in the audio commentary for the film, yeah, Paul, Michael Glaser does mention the fact that it is stock footage that they use. It's crazy. And that wasn't footage. They actually shot for the movie. So I am not hundred percent sure it's from King Kong, but it definitely looks like it's from King Kong. <laughs> I know, but I know it is not stuff they actually shot for the Running Man. So they, I they just got love it from somewhere else <laughs> that a movie that's
1: about a dystopian future uses footage from movie, a movie twelve years
0: before yes.
1: it. came out. Yeah, Schwarzenegger wears a World Gym sweatshirt in the scene after he escapes from prison. At the time, World Gym was actually owned by Schwarzenegger. There
0: you go. Some free advertising. Why not?
1: <laughs> That's all I got for for uh, fun facts and trivia, man. What else you got?
0: All right. So uh last thing, because we kind of mentioned this about you know the, the bitch Dy- I can't even say his name now. <laughs> Domino Dynamo? Dynamo. <laughs> I always gotta screw up someone's name in this show. <laughs> all right. So Dynamo uh, was played by Erlen Van Lith, who was a classically trained baritone opera singer right so when paul mclazer heard about this he wanted him to actually sing in the movie so that wasn't in the script the studio was not happy they had them do that <laughs> in the movie. I, I have no idea why i i kind of liked it to be you like the
1: opera and i you, did you like that li- when he shot his electric bolts out and lit up his name his fucking light bright name
0: it reminds me uh grossberger from stir crazy when he sings in the prison cell <laughs> I See that? It. That's it just—it was just that beautiful moment, and just—it just, it just mm-hmm. took me back to that. So. Hey, to each his own, Bill. Yep, to each his own. So let's move on to the box office. Um, so this movie was released on November thirteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, the budget of the film was somewhere between twenty-seven to thirty million dollars. It ended up grossing thirty-eight point one domestically. It was number one during its first two weeks of release. And then during its third week, three men and a baby came out and basically just slaughtered everyone for the next two months. Yeah. And to think
1: that this movie did get pushed back a few months because it was going to initially be released really close to Predator, Mm -hmm. which would have been kind of crazy and would have been a big mistake.
0: Yeah, I, w- I wonder if it would have been better if this got released before Predator, because Predator is so superior in every actually, way, every way to this film. Yeah. Or if that would have hurt Predator if this one came out, because it's just like, oh, that last sort of like a movie was so-so, but. Hmm. so so. But so moving on to reviews. So when growing up in the 80s, we loved catching at the movies with Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert on PBS to hear the reviews and watch clips from upcoming movies. Their opinion of the Running Man was unanimous. They both gave it a thumbs down. What? Yeah, and here, here we go. Jason, this is kind of surprising. Siskel found the hunters to be kind of bland. Mm-hmm. He was getting tired of Arnold's.
1: Well, if he called them
0: hunters and not stalkers, then
1: yeah, he clearly was already. He was, yeah. That.
0: And uh, he was tired of Arnold Schwarzenegger doing the one-liner thing. Gene did not find the film interesting either. But he did like the behind-the-scenes elements that went into the making of the show, which we both kind of mentioned. Right. And both enjoyed Richard Daws's performance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's from. Uh, All right. Fair enough. All right. So uh, yeah, I guess this takes us to final thoughts. So, Jason, what are your final thoughts on the run? You game? know,
1: I, I was just going to run through some of those one-liners. Go for it. Which I just can't get enough of. They're so bad. They're good. Uh, actually, I do. There's a line that I, I surprised me that I thought was really... I laughed out loud. There's a back and forth between Amber and Richard. Sorry, Richard. Uh, ben Richards. Amber says, you know, they're running, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're running through the arena, being chased by the bad guys. And Amber says, we should have gone to Hawaii. And Ben Richards replies, I had the shirt for it, but you fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because he had a Terrible, like flower pattern. Oh yeah, Hawaiian shirt on in the airport and earlier in the film.
0: That shirt right away screamed fugitive on the run. Yeah, oh, it was amazing.
1: Uh, after he kills Sub Zero with the barbed wire, he said oh, he was a real pain in the neck. And then he uses the chainsaw against Buzzsaw, and uh, poor Buzzsaw takes a chainsaw to the crotch. Not good. <laughs> yes. That is that was awfully violent. And Schwarzenegger after that says, Oh, yeah, he had to split. And then, of course, after hitting, or I should say, killing poor Jim Brown, man. Jim oh, Brown yeah, was looking spelt in this movie, man. Jim yeah, Brown we was looking, looking good. Yeah. He looked like he was fit, man. And he's fireballing this, running around with this flamethrower. And of course, Schwarzenegger gets the best of him, and Jim Brown exploding everywhere. And afterward, Schwarzenegger just basically looks right into the camera and says, What a hothead. Uh, just, uh. and then the, an older woman named Agnes saying, calling Ben Richards, he's, she says, He's one mean motherfucker. Yes. Love that line. Oh, so we, were ta- we talked about Paul Michael Glazer and his kind of some of the difficulties he had as a director. On this, uh, but also he, I didn't know this man that Paul
0: Michael Glazer was an actor. He was freaking Starsky and Starsky and Hutch. Jason, that was my first show that I fell in love with primetime show that I fell in love with as a kid. I loved Starsky and Hutch. Really? I
1: never got into it. I know it was a fan favorite. Like, I mean, I know it was a popular show. I just never, it, I never really got a chance to give it a shot.
0: Just the opening theme with the car. And they would do these slow-mo action shots or freeze-frame shots and stuff like that. I loved. I don't even remember really the episodes. But yeah. I just remember as a kid just pretending that I was Starsky and my dad was Hutch or he was Hutch and I was Starsky. And um, they had Hucky Bear who would go to every episode to get their information. Right. And, oh, yeah, that was probably the first show as a, that wasn't like a kid's show that I was a fan of. Yeah, I'd love Starsky and Hodge. Loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And Paul and Michael
1: Glazer would go on to, what, did you mention this earlier? I think he directed three Miami Vice episodes. Yeah. Uh, the Prodigal Son, Smugglers Blues, and Calderon's Return, uh, Calderon's Return Part Two, Calderon's Demise. But I didn't realize he, he had a good run there for a minute. He obviously did this, The Running Man, but then he goes on to do uh, The Cutting Edge, oh, you yes. Sweeney, The Air Up There.
0: A little Bacon, I saw that in the theater. And Kazam, yeah, Kazam, not so much. Mm. He's, I mean, he. Does, I'm still son. though, but those are big. Those are big yeah. titles, though. Yeah, I mean, he does it. He's a big television director. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I mean, yeah, I just had no idea this guy, a uh, multi talented
1: dude,
0: doing a lot. It was a funny story I heard about him. So going back, that he was not happy being on Starsky and Hutch, and he actually kind of wanted to get out. And one of the deals for him and David Soul to stay because they weren't happy with the scripts and the studio didn't care because they were getting ratings and they both wanted to leave. But I guess Paul Michael Glazer said, I'll stay on the show, but I want to start directing. I want to learn to direct. I want to start directing some of these shows. And that was part of the thing that they got him to stay. But in a way, it kind of blackballed him a little bit. Mm. So even when the show was over, he had a tough time getting work until uh miami vice and they brought him on and that kind of kick him back again into getting uh, directing roles good stuff uh well that's
1: really i mean i have some deep questions for you bill but, yeah uh, did questions. you have a okay you want to jump right
0: into that yeah, let's do some questions
1: hey bill would you want to see a reality game show like in the same vein of this kind of concept today this made me think of the reality competition show American Gladiators. You remember that one? Oh yes. So, I was a fan of that show. Mm-hmm. Extremely entertaining where you have kind of ordinary Joes going up against these intimidating athletes or uh bodybuilders. So, they're going up like against pro wrestlers, pro football players, martial artists, whomever and they're put into these events Like there's the joust And there's like uh, oh, Gosh, there. I actually have it right here We've got the hang tough The assault, the breakthrough and conquer The whiplash uh, The swing shot, the wall, sky track All these events in American Gladiators It was pretty awesome And uh, it was said that we're Somewhere in my research that American Gladiators Was somewhat kind of influenced by this movie Which is not entirely true if you look at it American Gladiators, the concept for that show started in the early 80s, but I didn't realize American Gladiators had a run from 89 to
0: 97. Wow, it was really on that long? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I thought it was like a 3-year or 4-year deal. I didn't think it was on that long. But would you do we do we need another show like that today? Yeah, do I want to watch a show where they're going around killing people like that? Right. <laughs> Even if, even That's what I meant to, I
1: meant to, I asked it so seriously and it is meant to be tongue in cheek. Yeah. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. We're the, you know, contestants are hardened criminals and you don't, you know, you root for them to actually lose, you root for the contestants to lose. And if they lose, they die.
0: I wonder if we ever will get to that point though. That does kind of make me nervous that this show may happen someday, not in our lifetime, right? Probably not my oh, kid's yeah. lifetime, but. Uh, oh my
1: God. Just to really get the ratings to really up the stakes. I mean, technically think about over it for the time. top.
0: We did used to do this. I mean, the Romans used to do this with the mm-hmm. the Colosseum and throw Christians out to the lions. So yeah, it could come back. History tends to repeat itself.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Uh Here's a question for you. Should the rocket sleds going to... <laughs> I just can't get away from it. I got to come back to the rocket sleds going down the metal... Uh, with the metal frames going down the chutes, the chute tunnels. Should that become the new one-man bobsled event in the Olympics, and you just, you you actually, you, you automatically get a gold medal if you just survive. I know. <laughs> you just I would, have to make it through alive.
0: I would love to know how fast they were going. That would be amazing.
1: I'm there for the Winter Olympic broadcast if this is an event.
0: Yes. I think I'm in. if I was in my 20s, they could guarantee there was a safe way that I would land, I would love to try that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Not now, all right? But yeah, in my twenties, okay. maybe I would have <laughs> loved to get on one of those rocket sleds and maybe you know drop me in water or uh, at least some foam cushioning or something. But no, you're oh, not. That you're, be not you're not yeah, shooting you me doing on
1: that. Uh, you just landed one of those uh, foam pits, yeah, do, exactly. like all the extreme sports guys do when they're practicing tricks, and they're or you know what I mean? Yeah, or a gymnasts, or gymnast
0: or, ball, or yeah. you know, a ball pit or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what Bill wants. Yeah. Just wants to land into a giant pit full of balls. Uh, I here's a, here's a question. Let's let's go down the list, Bill. Okay. Sub Zero. Oh God. We've got Captain Freedom. We've got Fireball Buzzsaw, and Bitch Dynamo, mm-hmm. or as you like to call him, Bitch Domino. Stop. And you're telling me they couldn't come up with a better idea for a stalker than those four idiots or whatever. Five, you know. So my idea is, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Who would be a better stalker? Who would make for a better stalker? I'm going to give you a little bit of time while I I throw out a few options. Okay, go ahead. I came up with Lumberjack. He has a giant axe. Okay. Okay. So one of the arenas, like it's like you kind of you run through a forest. He's Mm -hmm. you know, and he's this giant dude with a giant flannel on, just chasing you with an axe, like a Paul Bunyan type. Gotcha. All right. I've got the slice and dice twins. Slice and dice twins. They're both dressed up as chefs. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they have swords and knives. Okay. All right. All right. Here's my last one. I just call him driver. And he just runs around with his bag of golf clubs.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> see, good. I got you. Yeah. You, you were thinking
1: it? something else, weren't you? I was. Yeah. But that's his main weapon of choice is, of course, the driver.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm I'm thinking of like some kind of hillbilly thing with a pitchfork. That's what.
1: Ooh, oh, that's too. kind of that's kind of creepy, man. Yeah, that could be. That's creepy on top of the,
0: the danger element. I mean, that's good. Okay, so they could be like in a cornfield. Yeah, maybe pitchfork. Yeah, and that's then, a good name. And, yeah, for yeah, so a the stalker. Is, So the arena is like in a cornfield. And he oh mentioned- great, man! There you
1: go—the corn maze.
0: Yeah, of course, surprise. exactly. How is that not already a horror film? It might be. Either called
1: Corn Maze or Pitchfork is the name of your main villain. I mean, that's good stuff,
0: man. So you know, you know, if Bloomhouse is listening to this, they're they've already got this in development now. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, speaking of better characters,
1: so I made the mistake of. I'm confusing this with other Schwarzenegger films that came out within a three to five year period. And I kept confusing Total Recall for some reason with Running Man. And so immediately I thought, would, I've got two questions. First of all, would this have been better if it were directed by Paul Verhoeven? Because there's a satirical aspect to, like with the Climbing oh, for yeah. Dollars commu- yes. commercial. Yes. Would this have been better with him at the helm? Oh yeah. I don't know how much closer to the actual novella as to Stephen King, aka Richard Bachman's novella, it would have been. But mm-hmm. I think he could have done something with this.
0: Yes, and they are remaking this. Correct. Yeah, we, yeah. But no, that's a great call. He would have. He would have been perfect for this. Yeah, that, but like that, I said, unfortunately, Paul Michael later was put in a bad situation. You only had two days. Oh yeah, you
1: can't really. I am not
0: yeah. putting it on him. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I still. Hey, I still like this movie.
1: But speaking of total recall, so I was also thinking, would this film have been better if Quato was in it? <laughs> Come on, Bill. I'm, ba- t- I'm baiting you, Bill. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying. So you brought up the the remake, the reboot, which was literally... There was an announcement made just this year, February of yeah. this year, February 2021. A uh, new adaptation of the novel is in development at Paramount Pictures with Edgar Wright directing and Michael Bacall writing the script. so Edgar Wright, I'm a fan of some of his
0: work. I was very excited to hear this, I'll be yeah. honest. It was one of the few yeah. times I'm like, yep, please, please just try to re- remake this. I don't know if... If it's supposed to be a series or a movie, but I'm in. What else do you have, Bill? I I think I'm going to tap out, man. Yeah, like I said in the the beginning, um, not one of my favorite Schwarzenegger films. It definitely falls under the second tier. Watching it again, it certainly doesn't hold up as much as some of the other ones do. So I think that's what makes the announcement of a remake pretty exciting. Because I think they're going to make a really cool uh, movie. But yeah, just but I, I just I think I just love the whole idea and the concept. And I think that's what finally remember more than the actual movie itself. And going back and watching it to seeing, oh yeah, this definitely needed some work.
1: totally I, I couldn't agree more, Bill. The the groundwork has been laid. Yeah. And that's what the, the concept is what attracts me to this film mm-hmm. still. And that's what the whole the setup is great. It still is my favorite part of the movie. It's mm-hmm. just getting amped up for the show itself. Yeah. And you know, Richard Dawson uh, sells it, makes it work. So this, again, you put it perfectly in the beginning, second tier Schwarzenegger film. It is worth watching. I would recommend it because it's part of Schwarzenegger's legacy. I mean, it's part of his body of work and it has its place, has some really, really awful one-liners and he's doing his Schwarzenegger thing. So I think there is something, you know, that's inspired about it, just with the concept alone. And there's obviously got to give credit to Stephen King too, for it's kind of his idea at the core.
0: Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, We have a programming note. So the all eighties movies podcast will not release a show next week in observance of Memorial day weekend. So hopefully if you've missed some of our past episodes, this gives you time to catch up. But when we come back, we will be discussing one of the biggest films of the 1980s, the sci-fi action movie, Aliens. Yes, sir. Sigourney Weaver. So, as always, please subscribe and rate us. You can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com Please send us your feedback, questions, or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook at All80smoviespodcast or tweet us at podcastall80s. Until then, have a totally great day, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Good night, world.